Don't be anxious or impatient, 'cause I I wanna hold you close and never let go. Baby, don't go, but you and I gotta do for you and I. This that do or die, pop pimp shit recorded in the sky. And I welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 318 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. Um, I'm gonna start this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start this episode on a very, I guess I'll start this episode on a rant. So if you don't care about North Carolina basketball, if you don't care about none of that, just just skip to until you see another topic or hear another topic. Thanks for your support, by the way. <laughs> you know. Denial is a big thing in sports. Denial allows you to trick yourself into thinking something is or isn't, even though it's clear as day what it is. You see, history is made all the time. You never want to be on the wrong side of it. I mean, Virginia was on the wrong side of history when they became the first team to lose or first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed in the playoffs. They are in history. Golden State. Wrong side of history, the first team to ever lose a 3-1 lead in the finals. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons, largest lead blown in NFL Super Bowl history. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history, right? However... Let me let me just let me just <laughs> let me just not beat around the bush and get to it. There's a lot of reasons why this season for North Carolina was a absolute failure. Now, people are saying, "Well, Jay, what do you mean absolute failure? The season's not over. They could make a tournament. They could make the tournament. They could make the NIT. They can make another tournament." Look here. When you talk about a school, when you talk about a program, there are standards. You know what I mean? Now, no, I'm not saying that North Carolina is the greatest program in college basketball history. I think if you look at accolades-wise, that's UCLA. But there were a lot of factors going into this North Carolina season that a lot of people expected much more from a team that mm, a team that we just saw in the national championship a season ago and had a 16 point lead in said championship now yes ultimately they lost that national championship but bada bing bada boom you expect a team that brings back Four starters. Like I said, there was a lot of uh, factors that played a part in this North Carolina season. Let's talk about them. Let's first talk about the fan. Let's first talk about me. Let's first talk about the people that are outside 
of the organization, uh, the, the the people that support the, the the fans. We have a part to play in this debacle of a season. We as fans should have actually I understand history, right? I understand history, and I was leaning on history. I was leaning on there's never been a team to bring back four starters to, A, not make it to a tournament, and, B, not make it to a tour. Well, let me say this. There have been multiple teams to bring back four starters, but I mean, like, Blue blood teams, uh, you know, big NCAA teams. There have ne- There's never been a big NCAA team. When I talk about big, I mean the North Carolinas, Dukes, you know, Kentuckys, UCLA's. There's never been a team to bring back four starters. I think all of them are seniors. So as a fan, I'm like, oh, we good. But when I really th- sit and think about it, there were a lot of things that kind of, um, now that I really sit in here and, and, and dissect what I'm talking about and, and dissect what we saw from North Carolina, there were a lot of things that could have predicted this. <laughs> Wow, you know therapy is a really good thing. I'm 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 going. I'm in a therapy session right now with you guys, so I appreciate you listening to me. But as a fan, and this is where the word denial that might be the uh, title of this episode: denial. You see, again, I thought many fans thought, hell, and even the AP voters thought. Going into the season, you bring back four starters. That, hey, we'll be good. We should be able to make a deep run in the playoff or in the in the tournament because we have the veteran leadership. And one of the players that we're bringing back, Amando Baycock, is supposed to be in, in, in competition for the National Player of the Year. Especially the ACC, or and, and most definitely the ACC Player of the Year. But now that I'm speaking through this, and now that I'm really thinking about it, <laughs> I could have definitely, we could have definitely seen this coming. Hmm. Hmm. And I say that because. And this is where the denial... Well, it's not as much denial as selective memory. I know know a lot of people that have selective memory, man. I have selective memory in some cases. And this is what I mean. I want to remember, when I speak about this North Carolina team, I think about the run that they made in the ACC tournament. And I also think about the run that they made in the in the in in March, which of course got them to the national championship. But you know what I don't think about the entire season. I didn't think about the fact of they finished the season. I don't even think they were ranked at the end of the season. I think they got all the way to like fifth overall last year maybe third overall last year and didn't and was not ranked at the end of the season i didn't think about the fact that while yes we have four we have four returning starters who are those returning starters and when i mean who are those returning starters you have rj davis who who had a really good season. However, RJ Davis is a streaky shooter. And and due to his size and stature, he's not the best. He's not the best defender. 
You have Caleb Love. I'm not even going to call Caleb Love a streaky shooter. What I'm going to call him is a shooter that doesn't understand time and situation. He takes some of the worst shots I have ever seen. I swear. He takes shots like you're playing pickup basketball. And there's not a game, like a legit game on the line. The man damn near takes half-court shots sometimes. Not He doesn't take half-court shots. But he be taking some deep threes. Then you have Leaky Black, who is an incredible defender and an incredible athlete. But he's not an offensive threat in the slightest. Then you have Amano Baycott, who, like I said, was projected to be in contention for National Player of the Year and ACC Player of the Year. However, the problem with players like that, who is a big, is you need people to give you the ball. Hell, Zach Eady, I talked about him in my last episode. Zach Eady more than likely would win National Player of the Year because he had a team, and the team's focus was to give him the ball. And then you have Brady Manick. That, that is the key. I, did, I knew Brady Manick was important. I knew Brady Manick was arguably, actually, our second best player last year. I just didn't think. I knew he was important. I just didn't think he was so important where his absence couldn't be filled by a Pete Nance, who is a transfer, and by the returning players. I was wrong. <laughs> so now, North Carolina more than likely are, of course, Selection Sunday is tomorrow. So you don't know, but you kind of do know. that North Carolina has made history in a lot of ways. First team since I think NC State to be the preseason number one overall team to not make the tournament. First team, I think, ever to be ranked first, you know, number one overall and to not even be ranked at the end of the year. I think first team, first team in NCAA history to be ranked number one overall and to only have one quad one win the entire season. Huh. And I think the first team to be ranked number one to bring back four starters to not make the tournament. Of course they can make the NIT. The not in tournament, I like to say. Even though I know that's not the title. That's what people call the not in tournament. And yeah, they can go win the NIT. Go beat Michigan in the NIT. But when just a just a year ago, a couple months ago, this same team was playing in the national championship and had a seismic lead. It's a little bit of a letdown that this same team, um, <laughs> this same team is not going to play in it's not even going to be not even make the tournament mm. Mm -mm. damn North Carolina 
You know, I was asked before I move on. One thing that I was asked uh, was, "What's I work in a sports? I work in sports, obviously. Like outside the podcast, I work in sports." And one question that gets brought around a lot, especially around national championship time and NBA finals or Super Bowl time is, what is your toughest memory as a fan of any team? You know, like what is your toughest memory as or what is your worst memory as a fan? Um, You know, I. I work with a couple Golden State fans, and as you clearly know, you know what theirs are. You know, coming, being up 3 1, losing. I work with a bunch of Yankees fans, so you can imagine when the Boston Red Sox came back in the in the World Series. I think they were down 3 0 or 3 1, and then Boston rattled off three or four straight. Then they, they asked me that question. And my question, or that my answer to that stays the same and will be the same for a while. 2016 National Championship, North Carolina playing Villanova. Marcus Page hits that incredible three-point shot to send the game or tie the game up I think it was 71 tie the game up and then Ryan Archidiacono inbounds the ball or they inbound the ball to Ryan pass it to Chris Jenkins and I remember like it was yesterday Chris Jenkins catches the ball. You had Bryce Johnson on one side. You had Hakeem Hicks on the other. And I remember saying to myself, why is Chris Jenkins, who, by the way, is from the crib, why is Chris Jenkins that wide open? And as soon as Chris Jenkins, as soon as the ball left Chris Jenkins' hand, I said, in, I lied to you not. I was in a room full of Duke fans. As soon as he shot the ball, I said out loud, oh, he made that. Boom. That was actually the last. That's the first time I've ever cried as a fan. I'm so serious. I'm not even. Hey, judge me if you want. That's the first time I ever cried as a fan because you don't understand the emotion that how high I was on top of the mountain when Marcus Page hit that three. I was like, oh, we're about to go into overtime. It's over with. Let's go. Going to overtime with Villanova. And we're about to win the national championship. And then for my for my emotions to go from that to the bottom of the ocean in a span of like 10 seconds. It's tough. I say all that to say this. While no, there wasn't a moment that uh, I can contribute to being the worst moment as a as a as a sports fan this year for North Carolina. This year as a whole is up there for one of the most frustrating seasons as a fan. And while no, it will not, nothing has topped. And trust me, there have, in my line of work, in my fandom, there have been some tough, tough moments for me. Like LeBron James tapping Gilbert Arenas on the sh- on the chest and saying, you missed this, the series is over. And just like that, the series was over because Gilbert Arenas missed those free throws. Or as a Washington fan and RG3 running to the side and you seeing a load him running straight up with a Lodi Nahada and 
you know, that's all she wrote with RG3. It's been, it's been, it's been tough as a sports fan. Or, you know, me being an Oregon fan and then making all the way to the national championship just to get destroyed by Ezekiel Elliott in Ohio State. It's been a tough one. It's It's been a tough one. But nothing, nothing will top that Chris Jenkins shot in 2016. I remember everything about that. I remember the announcers, too. Hoo-hoo! Oh, my God. Like I remember everything about that play. I say all that to say this, man. This was a cataclysmic failure by North Carolina. However, we probably could have seen it coming. And this is where denial comes in. While, yes, we look at the run in the NCAA tournament last year, we look at the fact of North Carolina beat Duke, what, three times last year or twice last year, two of them being uh, Coach K's last home game and Coach K's last game in general in the, in the tournament. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> we look at that, but we don't look at the whole picture. Or at least as, as a fan, I don't look at the whole picture. The fact of we struggled from three last year outside of Brady Manic. We struggled to create shots outside of Brady Manic and maybe Caleb Love. And Caleb Love pretty much played the same. You know what? That's exactly what happened. Thank you for this therapy session, guys. Caleb Love, the, the people that came back. Outside of R.J. Davis maybe improving his jump shot a little bit, they played the exact same way that they played a year ago. The problem is that's not going to work, especially when you lose a key piece like Brady Manick and replace him with a Pete Nance who was nowhere close to the impact player that Brady Manick was or is. So I've been ranting. Um, yeah, man, North Carolina disappointed me, bro. Uh, let's move forward. I want to. S- mm. You know, when you trade for a uh, a superstar player. Usually. The team that trades for the player gut something. They gut their depth, maybe they gut their defense. They gut something because they have. There's no way that you can really stay whole unless the superstar player is a free agent or something. If you're trading for him, there's no way that your your team is going to stay pretty much how it is. When Kevin Durant and the when Kevin Durant was traded to the Suns. A lot of people, including myself, thought that they were at least should be considered the favorites to come out of the West because of, I mean, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. They were able to keep DeAndre Aiden. You have Chris Paul. That is a nucleus that can obviously win you his championship. However, one thing that was always said is while yes the phoenix suns are good enough to get out of the west with just the sheer amount of talent they have because you gave up a lot of when you hear they only gave up mikhail bridges and cam johnson a lot of you think that's not a lot of depth but when you see and when you understand how important a cam johnson and a mikhail bridges is to the team you understand that that is a lot of depth that's a lot of defense and that's a lot of bench scoring so when you get a kevin durant while yes you are better because you have the better player What's contingent on that is A, health, and B, availability. So now, Kevin Durant is out with a grade two or three ankle injury or ankle sprain. 
he's sustained it in in practice or no warm-ups individual warm-ups and he'll be reevaluated re in about three weeks meaning kevin durant more than likely will miss the rest of the regular season and maybe possibly some of the playoffs i hope not but that's pretty much that was the initial thought so when they say reevaluate in three weeks, it doesn't mean he'll be ready in three weeks. That means they're going to see how he's progressed in three weeks. I'm going to be honest about Kevin Durant. While it's, it's, it's not popular to say, it is true. While, yes, Kevin Durant is one of the greatest basketball players we've ever seen. He's one of the greatest offensive talents we've ever seen. I personally will pick Kevin Durant over Larry Bird. I understand the accomplishments Larry Bird did with um, the Celtics. But I personally would pick Kevin Durant over Larry Bird. In my opinion, when it's all said and done, Kevin Durant can be a top 10 to 15 player in NBA history. All that, in my opinion, is true about Kevin Durant. Maybe minus the Larry Bird, that's, of course, opinion. But Larry Bird, I mean, but Kevin Durant is one of the greatest basketball players we have ever seen. But what's also true is Kevin Durant is injury prone. Kevin Durant is constantly injured. And while... While he's great, and when you're on, when he's on your team, your team is is better. That's 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 true. But you also run the risk of, if he is on your team, there is a possibility he could get hurt. That's that's a possibility with every player, but especially a player like Kevin Durant that gets hurt on a regular basis. So now, let me tell you why this Kevin Durant injury is so massive, at least on the surface, for the Phoenix Suns. We say that you can drop Kevin Durant anywhere and he's going to succeed, which is true. I mean... Every Kevin Durant is the type of person where he does not need the ball to dominate, and he's just his he is that good of a player. But here's also the thing while it's easy for Kevin Durant to adapt to any system, the system the, the team has to adapt to Kevin Durant as well. And what I mean by that is I mean chemistry, man. Team chemistry is important. And it's very hard when you acquire somebody at the trade deadline and they don't play a lot of the, the time. It's hard to develop that chemistry so that once you get to the playoffs, it's like one thing that you can't do is you could, but we've never really seen it. You don't develop chemistry in the playoffs. The playoffs is where your chemistry is supposed to shine. You can't. We, we. I think that from the trade deadline to the playoffs is enough time to build chemistry. However, Kevin Durant now is going to miss at least three weeks with an injury, so that doesn't give time. And I'm not saying that phoenix still is i'm not saying phoenix is going to bottom out i'm not saying phoenix is going to be terrible because i mean phoenix devin booker is having an an all-time moment in his career right now like he is playing some of the best actually playing the best basketball we've ever seen in his career not saying ever but he's playing the best basketball he's ever played so they can ride that but i also want to know how much of that is because of kevin durant because since Kevin Durant was playing, I think he's averaging like 34, 35 points. And that is Devin Booker. But that's also, you know, defenses are now focused on Kevin Durant instead of Devin Booker. So Devin, Kevin, the floor opens up more for Devin Booker. 
And on top of building chemistry, it was contingent. The, the, the Phoenix Suns making a deep playoff run and going to the NBA Finals is contingent on health. And that has been the fear this entire time this team has been assembled. Why, yes, it hasn't been assembled for a while. Every single time they talk about this team, we say barring any injury. Because you gut Mikel Bridges, who was, their, who was their best defender or on-ball defender. You gut Cam Johnson, who is a really good three-point shooter and a good wing for for Kevin Durant. And on top of Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant has clearly has injury history. Uh Devin Booker has injury history. Chris Paul clearly has injury history. So it's like your at least three of your top four players that you're depending on having a history of injury. And now Kevin Durant is injured. So do I think that, you know, this is going to uh Do I think that this is going to derail their season? No. I mean, they're still good. I mean, I think they're they're fourth right now. Uh But I need to see I don't know. It's it's hard for me to now pick them. Because to to win the championship or even make it to the championship, because one, the West, while the West is wide open, it is still talent. Like you still have Denver, you still have Memphis. That when John Morant comes back, you still you still have a lot of good teams. Of course, we'll talk about Golden State in a second, but you have Golden State. Like you never know. But this Kevin Durant injury is big, because of how good Kevin Durant is, clearly, and how much they gave up to get Kevin Durant. And while, yes, I'm sure he'll be back in the playoffs, now you have to ask yourself, has this team built enough chemistry and built enough equity in each other to trust each other enough and know exactly how each other plays? Because it's not like you're dropping a, a random role player onto not random. You're dropping a role player onto a team. You're dropping Kevin Durant. So I hope Kevin Durant, you know, the injury, it, it was in warm-ups too. I hope the injury you saw Jonathan Kaminga. That happened to him the night the night after. But yeah. I, I wish I hope for a speedy recovery for Kevin Durant and you know we'll see how it goes once he returns to the team as far as you know healthy and playing so let's move forward I have a theory I have a theory I have a theory about Golden State Hear me out. Here's my theory. We were wondering, as fans, as people outside the organization, we were wondering, when we saw the video of Draymond Green, of course, punching Jordan Poole, we were wondering where when was this going to be felt again or was this going to permeate throughout the rest of the season was this going to have a lasting effect throughout the regular season of course we thought it was but we didn't know exactly where this was going to show because once a video like that comes out it's very hard there there's no way to put the toothpaste back in the tube we've seen what happened yeah, you can move on amicably as coworkers or as teammates, but the relationship is never going to be the same. Hell, I'm not even going to talk about the Chris Rock special, but we just saw the Chris Rock special, you know, with, with you know. 
So we were wondering where, where the 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 Draymond Green punch was going to be affected the most. And here's my theory. We have also never seen a team that is coming off winning a championship have one of or have a road record like the Golden State Warriors does. The Golden State Warriors are currently like 7 and 26 or 7 and 28 or something on the road. 7 and 20 something, like 28 or 26 on the road. And on the flip side of that, they are one of the best home teams in the league. You see, for, for, the, for the people that have played basketball or played sports, you understand this. So this is mostly for the people that probably haven't. Outside of playing on the road, like playing in a different gym, of course, playing in a different arena, travel and everything. You ask yourself, what is the difference between playing at home and playing on the road? You'll probably think it's the crowd, which, of course, the crowd does make a difference. You get more energy at home because you have a whole crowd that's pretty much supporting you. Yes, you sleep in your own bed. You you travel to the arena differently or you, or the same way because you're at home. It's not that hard of a travel. But here is really where the road is different. The road is where you connect with your team more because it's just y'all. You know, it's it's you go into another uh, another team's town or another team's city. It's just you guys. So this is where you get the team bonding more. This is where you get the camaraderie. This is where you're around each other the most because it's just y'all. You don't have family to well, of course you could be, in, but you're, you're you don't have family to go home to. Really, it's just y'all, and this is where I believe I could be wrong. I have, clearly have no sources. I'm just we have never seen a team this good at home and this bad on the road after winning an NBA championship. With might I add you the talent that Golden State has. Now, yes, there's a, there's other factors, like, of course, their size. They're not as a big team, but they weren't a big team last year, and they won. Uh, a lot of They were expecting a lot of players to take a leap, like a James Wiseman, like a Moses Moody, like hell, Jordan Poole. That just hasn't happened. They've also dealt with injury. Steph Curry was injured for a good amount of time. Klay Thompson was getting himself back to 100%, and he looks really good now. Andrew Wiggins is away from the team right now. Of course, Gary Payton II, who they traded James Wiseman to pretty much get. He's not healthy right now. They've dealt with injuries. But if you look at Golden State on the road, one thing that is prevalent is they play horrible defense. This is coming off of them just getting smacked by Memphis, like 131 to like 110. And they gave up like 48 points or something in the first quarter. You build camaraderie, you build trust. So that once you go on the road, that camaraderie, that trust then lends itself on the defensive side of the ball. You trust that if you leave to help, another man is going to replace him. And then that man, if you, it's like you're on a string. But that string is only strong if you have trust. You see, Golden State, the Golden State Warriors do not have an identity. You think a team that just won a championship has an identity, but they don't. You can tell it's two teams. It's the young guys and it's the old guys. It's the guys that, you know, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, uh, Andre Gudala. And then it's the young guys. It's the 
it's the Jordan Poole, it's the Jonathan Kaminga, it's the Dante DiVincenzo, the Ty Jerones. They have not been able to bridge that or blend that or, 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 or connect those two pieces together on the road this entire season. And that, in my opinion, theory-wise, all this is, of course, is opinion. That, in my opinion, is where you feel the effects of the Draymond Green punch. It seems like they don't trust each other. And there's no way, and I say that because, yes, you can be a bad defensive team. But they were, they were a good defensive, I think they were 10th last year. So to go from 10th now 17th, and you see how bad they look on the road defensively. They can't stop anybody. And you've seen little things here or there like Draymond Green quitting on a play because Jordan Poole missed him passing the ball. Or careless turnover after careless turnover. It just seems like the team does not trust each other. And while talent can get you where it needs to get you at home because the in, the crowd gives you energy and, you know, you're on your home floor. It gives you energy. So some of the defensive lapses are overcompensated by your offensive output and the energy that the crowd gives you and your comfortability at home that goes out the window on the road so now you have to trust each other more and if you have no trust or if you don't if you, if you're not cool with each other it's going to show it's going to show we've been talking about golden state flipping a switch We've been saying if they get to the four seed, they should be okay because, of course, the first four seeds in, in, the, in the playoffs have home court advantage. The problem is, however, they have to get to the four seed. They're currently in the sixth seed. I don't think that this team is able to flip the switch. I, I I have been No, let me let me rephrase that. I have been I've held out hope for Golden State because of how good they are on the road or at home, how their starting lineup when they have Andrew Wiggins and everyone healthy is still by far the best starting lineup in in basketball. When we talk about plus minuses and everything like that. Of course, you have Steph Curry. Klay Thompson is playing, at least offensively, he's playing the best he's ever played, which is shocking seeing as the injury that he sustained. I thought, I, I held out hope because of that. But something that is so unexplainable, which is their road wins and losses, like, that is so unexplainable, but I think that is because of they don't have camaraderie. I think that it, it kind of feels like there's just there's no identity. There's there there's just they're just teammates. Or the, no, let me not say that. They're not teammates. They're just people on the same team. That it feels like a fractured team. And as you saw, when something publicly like that happens, and I'm not just put well, when something publicly like or something happens publicly like the like the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green situation. Or like the Kevin Durant, Draymond Green situation. Again, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, bro. It's happened. And you see, and I'm not saying that Golden State could ultimately go and win it all. But you see what happened after. Kevin, I mean... Now, yeah, Kevin Durant left the year after. Now, I'm not saying that Jordan Poole's leaving, but I just, it, it's just tough, man. And I think that, 
the when you want to look at what was the effect of the Draymond Green punch and and the video leaking and everything, look look no further than the road record. Though when you guys have to be when when Golden State has to be together the most and when they have to be a team the most their record is seven and what 28 and one of the worst defensive teams on the road compared to at home let's move forward Zion Williamson, uh, it looks like he'll be out for at least two more weeks. At least two more weeks with uh, he's our, he he has a hamstring injury and he is nursing or he's been nursing a hamstring injury and I guess there's been a setback. Um, so he's out for two more weeks, minimum. Zion is a is another case. Un, he, we've never seen a case like Zion Williamson in the league ever. And this is what I mean by that. When Zion Williamson is playing, he's one of the best players in the league. Like you can argue he's a top ten player in the league when he's playing. His his sheer force, his strength, his ability to get to the rim, his passing ability, his dribbling ability, of course, his finishing ability. He's one of the best players in the league, arguably top ten when healthy. And and it, and it also shows when you look at the the record when he's on the floor for the Pelicans and when he's off. I mean, he had the Pelican or when he was playing the Pelican and this is when he was playing and Brandon Ingram was not, and I'm, that's not a shot on Brandon Ingram. That's just saying this team could have been better. But when Zion Williamson was playing, the Pelicans were like, what, number one in the West? And now the Pelicans are currently 10th. Mm, I'm, mm. Zion Williamson, like I said, is unlike anything we've ever seen as far as just the physical presence that he is. However, since college now, he kind of suffers the same thing that a lot of players suffer from, and that is the injury bug. I mean, not a lot of players, but there have been players. I mean, hell. We just talked about Kevin Durant. Zion Williamson is suffering from the injury bug. I'm not going to. I will go as far. He is an injury prone player at this point of his career. Now, of course, that can change. But since coming into the league, he has been injury prone. I think, you know, uh, usually when it's a size thing, it's due to the knees. Like your knees just your knees can't can't hold that much torque and that much weight, you know what I mean? Which is why I thought it was really good that he, he was able to load, it seemed like he was able to lose weight and get get his weight together. So this hamstring injury is different. I mean, you don't know. Is it completely off the bone? We don't know. Here's the thing about Zion Williamson. And this is why I say he's unlike anything any player we've ever seen. You have as a t- as a team that you, as the Pelic when you're the Pelicans, what you have to do is you have to put a target number on the board. And the target number is the amount of games that we expect to have Zion. Okay, maybe there is a player like that, and that is Kawhi Leonard, but that's that's a different story. The Pelicans are drastically different with or without Zion Williamson, and this is a good Pelicans team. You have Trey Murphy, you have Brandon Ingram, you have C.J. McCollum. You, you, this is a good team. 
But this team has will go absolutely nowhere without Zion. Load management was kind of built for a player like Zion because of the frequency of injuries that he sustains. I think he's probably the first player or maybe maybe second now with Kawhi Leonard. But well, man, I'll say first player cuz of how young Zion Williamson is. He might be the first player where you have to you can't go into the season expecting him to play. You have to put a target date. All right, this is the target date that we can afford him to play or not to play. Now, I know that's crazy to think about, that that's just how it is. Hell, if I was the Pelicans, I'd shut down. I know that they, again, you have to be real with yourself. You have to be un- you have to be real with yourself, and and as an organization, you have to. It's it's hard because you have to double dot du- or you have to figure out what's more important, the present or the future. You see, you can try to rush Zion Williamson back because in your mind you're thinking, well, when Zion Williamson's on the floor, we were the number one seed in the West, a West that clearly has the Denver Nuggets and the Sacramento Kings and the and the Suns and the Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. We were number one in the West. And this is even without Brandon Ingram. And now that Brandon Ingram's back and then you bring Zion Williamson back, we can make some noise. That's one thought. I mean, hell, Jay Williams, there was one point in this season where Jay Williams had the Pelicans coming out of the West. And that was, of course, when they were number one. So you're thinking to yourself, if we can just get Zion Williamson back, we can make some noise. But then there's also thinking, well, hmm. you never know with hamstring injuries. Hell, we saw James Harden get a hamstring injury when he was with the Brooklyn Nets. And while he's still good and, and he's having a really good season, he does not he has not been the same. And you're at a fragile point with Zion Williamson because of the size and this the sheer way that he plays. You don't want to mess that hamstring up again. And the fact that he had another setback should tell you, all right, maybe maybe we should just shut it down and and just plan for the future. When I mean future, I mean next season and on. And just, I'm not gonna say punt on this season because you still have Brandon Ingram. You still, it's still a good team, but maybe not bring Zion back. So do you go with? I remember what we saw when Zion Williamson was playing, or yeah, but. We had, he had every single time Zion Williamson has an injury, it kind of seems like he has a setback somewhere. So let's just shut him down for the season and then, you know, pick it up, pick it up next season. I feel bad for Zion, bro. It's, it's, it, it's, again, we've never seen a player like that. And the Pelicans have some decisions to make. Do you now? Of course, Zion can Williamson can make the decision as well, saying, "Hey, now no player is really going to do this unless you're like Hawaii, but no players are really going to say, hey, 'Hey, I'm not. I can't do this. I'm not going to play. You know, it just doesn't feel right. Let's just wait till next season.' Nobody is going to really do that. But I don't know, man. I feel bad for Zion because. Again, this is something unlike we've ever seen. And I say that because, I mean, there have been injury-prone players, right? Like like, like Anthony Davis. That's an injury-prone player. Like, I, And no disrespect to any of these people, but that's it is what it is. But Zion... Hmm. Zion, Zion's effect on the Pelicans is 
almost as great as Zion's, Zion's Zion's effect on the Pelicans is the same kind of effect that LeBron James had when he was his early years in the Clippers. I mean, uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just saying. I want to uh, say shout out to Jim Beheim. Uh, he, I don't. He's out as the head coach of the Syracuse Orange. Um, they say he retired, but if you look at the the last press conference that he had, it was kind of weird because he was like, that's not my decision to make. It's a Syracuse decision. So some people are speculating that he maybe was fired or asked to step down. I don't know. But I do know this, that as a head coach, he finished his overall record um, 1,015 wins and 441 losses he was 48 and 28 in tournaments uh he also finished with uh ncaa tournament championship that was the one in 2003 with mellow he's a five time he he made the final four five times he won the big east 10 times and won the big east tournament five times He's also was the coach of the year in 2010, AP coach of the year 2010, and NABC coach of the year 2010, uh, sports national coach of the year in 2010, or sports news national coach player. Um, he also was the head coach of Team USA in 2001. So, Oh, and he also, as an assistant coach for Team USA, has one, two, three... Three Olympic gold medals and one, two, two FIBA gold medals. Jim Beheim is one of the best coaches we have ever seen in college basketball. Uh, he He's already in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I think that was back in 2007 or something. Or 2005. Jim Beheim is one of the greatest coaches. When we talk about legacy coaches, he's up there with, you know, the Coach K's, with the Roy Williams, uh, you know, coaches like that. And whether he was asked to step down, whether he was fired, whether whatever, his career and his records, his accolades are still the same. So, Congrat, you know, shouts out to Jim Beheim. I, I wish nothing but the best for him moving forward. Um, and he was one of the greatest coaches that college basketball has ever seen. So, shouts out to Jim and uh, Jim Beheim. Uh, and I hope for nothing but success. Also, quick point of order I do want to send my, well, I do want to send my well wishes to Bill Self, who is yet another college basketball coach that is one of the greatest that we've ever seen. Bill Self is currently in the hospital for medical reasons or for a sickness or illness or something. I don't know. We're not sure exactly what it is, but he was unable to coach uh, Kansas these last, what, two games. I uh, clearly is serious if he's missing time and away from the team. I definitely hope for a speedy recovery for Bill Self. Again, he is one of the best coaches in college basketball, and he's still a person. So I, I want the best, and I hope the best, and I pray for the best for Bill Self. So um, definitely want to highlight that. It is, um, it is Women's History Month, right? And... I wanted to, every episode, I wanted to highlight, uh, I wanted to highlight a woman in sports, because of course it's a sports, um, this is a sports podcast or whatever. Uh, I wanted to highlight a woman in sports that 
was very integral to sports. You know what I mean? Uh, and I also want them to be African-American. It is what it is. <laughs> and I want to do this for every episode in March. And when I met, while I did miss one in March, or I did miss the last episode that was in March, and I'm going to do two women today. So the woman, women that I want to shout out, the first one is uh, Louis, Louis Harris. Lucia Harris, I'm sorry. Lucia Harris. She is actually the only, or the first, I'm not going to say only, the first woman to be judged in the NBA. You know, one of, <laughs> one of the knocks that people talk about the WNBA is that women's basketball is nowhere close to men's basketball. And that a woman could not survive in the NBA or a woman couldn't couldn't keep up in the NBA. That's why they have the WNBA. Well, Lucia Harris kind of dispelled that. You know what I mean? I think that there are differences clearly in the WNBA and NBA, but I don't just because a woman can't jump as high or run as fast or jump as high as 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 men in the basketball, it doesn't mean that the WNBA doesn't produce some incredible talent. I mean, hey, hell, we Maya Moore, Diana Taurasi, you know, uh, Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, all greats in the WNBA. Lisa Leslie, you know what I mean? And I wanted to shout out and I wanted to shine a light on Lucia Harris, who, of course, 1977 became the first woman and the only woman to ever be drafted in the W or in the NBA, not WNBA, the NBA, uh, the what the New Orleans Jazz. She was a trailblazer, and she's actually one of the biggest reasons why there is a, NBA, a WNBA. Because I mean, women, while women don't get enough credit for being good at things, that's athletic for some reason. Um, she showed that, yeah, we can play basketball too. And we, I think they wanted to give, well, they wanted to give women recognition and they wanted to give them their own league. So that's why they have the WNBA. So I did want to shout out Lucia Harris for becoming the first woman to be drafted in the NBA. And also to catch up. And for this episode, I wanted to shine light on Jennifer King, who, of course, is or was the first full time woman to ever draft or ever first time African-American coach to be in the NBA NFL. She's with the Washington Commanders. Um, We understand that the NFL is dominated by males. I mean, it's a 100% male sport. And I think that women kind of, I mean, it happens, I guess. But I think women kind of get disrespected when we talk about football. Because if you think about it, I think the only league that 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 are that's kind of mainstream that women have is the lingerie league. So you're telling me that. The only time you want to watch women play football is when they're in lingerie. That's kind of crazy. Or um, or when they are, of course, cheerleaders. And Jennifer King, you know, she... Jennifer King showed that Afri- women and African-American women can do more than just, you know, be eye candy or or, you know do pom-poms or or play football in uh, lingerie you know what i mean uh like i said she became the first black woman to be a full-time nfl coach i think she's the running back coach for the commanders uh shouts out to her man she she has been able or she has paved the way for a lot of women to feel justified and feel the the ability to to shine in that that realm that is the NFL football realm. So again, the two women that I wanted to shout out was uh, Lucia Harris, of course, the first black woman to be drafted in the NBA, and uh, Jennifer King, 
the first black woman to be a full-time head coach in the NFL. Or not head coach, I'm sorry. First time, full-time coach in the NFL. She is the running backs coach, I believe. And while people say, well, she's only the running back coach. Yeah, you're not the running back coach. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? I don't care if she's a running back coach. I don't care if she's the assistant running back coach. I don't care what she is. She is the first black woman to be a full-time NFL coach. Shouts out to her. Um, And there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. Add multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to everyone listening. Please subscribe to everyone watching. It definitely, definitely, definitely means a lot to me. Uh, and until next time, much love. I've been lost in the streets lately, but you know you the only one for me, baby. And I know your friends say she crazy. Baby, let's just be crazy together. Kept it a hundred from the jump, they can never replace my ghetto Cinderella. Said if you down, then I'm down for whatever. Long as we crazy together. Cause I love it when you say I've been waiting for you. You should know I'm on the way once you tell me come through. Yes, I love it when you say I've been waiting for you. You should know I'm on the way Once you tell me come through You ain't gotta overthink about it I can make it kind of life if you dream about it You want it the rose gold, Cuban link, I got it Gave you the whole heart, you can't leave without it Yeah, yeah Toxic, but you can't say you ain't have fun Options, but I can't play you, I choose one You know that I'm with you, no reason to prove none Especially not to one of your friends Girl, it's not their job securing your spot So that's up to you to see and if the world can't understand what we got, just know that that's cool with me. Oh, I've been lost in the streets lately, but you know you the only one for me, baby. And I know your friends say she crazy. Baby, let's just be crazy together. Kept it a hundred for the tough, they can never replace my ghetto Cinderella. Said if you down, then I'm down for whatever. Long as we crazy together. Cause I love it when you say I've been waiting for you. You should know I'm on the way Once you tell me come through Yes, I love it when you say I've been waiting for you You should know I'm on the way Once you tell me come through I've been lost in the streets lately But you know you the only one for me, baby And I know your friends say she crazy Baby, let's just be crazy together Kept it on in front of junk They can never replace my ghetto Cinderella Said if you down, then I'm down for whatever Long as we crazy together